Welcome back, one and all, to another day here at the Damage Board. I am John Edirola, very lucky to be joined on a big old pack day of the news by Jackson White. Jackson, welcome. Yes, yes, it's definitely good to be here. We And again, it's been like, what, the past four or five times that I've been on TYT, we've been on together. So I know. <laughs> I was just thinking. Tuesday. Uh, on Friday, I mentioned how we keep doing the show together, and I'd forgotten at that point that we'd booked you to do Tuesday. And I was like, "Geez, we're basically co-hosts on a show together, like yeah. constantly." But um, it works well. It does work well, and you know what? We're don't don't just trust our word, everyone. We're gonna prove it right now. It's some awesome Absolutely. news because there's a lot going on. Uh, not only on the legal side for Donald Trump, he's got some interesting defenses of himself that he's rolling out that we're going to evaluate. A little bit of a preview of some damning evidence that the special counsel's put together for his election subversion case, which is forthcoming in less than two months now. And then a whole lot more besides. Roger Stone pushing for even more violence than we thought, worse crimes that had been alleged previously. Nikki Haley caught out in a lie that I think is awesome. And Lauren Boebert assures us she did not punch her husband in the face. So all of my concerns have vanished. But anyway, that's just in the first hour of the show. Coming up in the aftermath, if you're watching live, Elon Musk engaged in a purge of journalists and leftists on Twitter. That's fun, and we've got updates on that. Jonathan Major's first major interview, major interview, dun dun. dun you know, following his being convicted of assaulting and harassing his ex-girlfriend. And will you soon no longer be able to say that anyone is a racist in Florida? There's a new law working its way through the system, and we're going to value it because it's awesome, awesomely bad. With all that said, hit the like button, share the stream if you haven't already. And Jackson, you ready to do this thing? Yes, sir. My bad. I had it on mute. Yes, no worries. I'm ready to do Appreciate it. it. Get it. Okay. <laughs> With that, let's jump right into the news. If I don't get immunity, then crooked Joe Biden doesn't get immunity. And all of the things he's done to allow the border invasion, millions and millions of people coming into our country, many from prisons, jails, mental institutions, insane asylums, many terrorists coming into our country. That's really allowing insurrection. So yes, Donald Trump is threatening to lock up President Joe Biden, literally as his lawyers are making the case for why he deserves immunity for his crimes related to trying to overthrow the government following the 2020 election. Right now in front of an appeals court, his lawyers are having this argument and it doesn't appear to be going well. We're gonna give you all the updates on that. But he's also saying, if it's denied to me, then it's denied to Crooked Joe and I'm gonna lock him up. And he's he's obviously in a muddled state of mind because he started talking about how if there's migrants coming across the border, then that's insurrection, which that's now a section like three of the 14th Amendment argument. So he's getting like his trials mixed up with him being removed from the ballot. Look, he's got an addled mind and he's quite old. But anyway, you should know that his lawyers have apparently faced a very skeptical reception before this appeals court as they tried to argue that all of what he did in trying to overturn the results of the election is handled under this vague untested concept of presidential immunity. The actual trial in this case will be in March, so stay tuned for that. But we have John Sauer who argued that for presidents to be able to be charged in a criminal prosecution and to get past their immunity, they have to first be impeached and convicted by the Senate. And for more details on that, you can check his sources, which are, he came up with it, I guess. But anyway, I'm not convinced. Judge Florence Pan also didn't seem super convinced. 
asking, you're saying a president could sell pardons, could sell military secrets, could tell SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival. And Sauer wants to earn his paycheck, so he was unflappable. He said he would have to be and would speedily be impeached and convicted before the criminal prosecution. And what he means by that is, that magically this shield of immunity goes away if you're convicted by the Senate. But the interesting corollary to that is if he ordered SEAL Team 6, maybe on Twitter or on Rumble to assassinate a political rival. And then you had enough people of his party in the Senate that they said, we're just not going to impeach and convict him. Then you couldn't charge him with a crime. That is what Trump's legal team is saying. That he was put on the spot by this insane hypothetical of assassinated political rival. And he has to say that, yeah, you're immune unless they convict you. And obviously, in this case, they did not. So, and they will never, the, the Republicans of the Senate will never allow it, regardless of what he what he does. So they consider that to be like a perfect defense. But thus far, the judges don't seem to be that convinced. Jackson, I want your opinion on this. We've been discussing before the show sort of what passes for a defense for Donald Trump. And they it's basically never, here is why what I did is not a crime. It's always, I can't crime. It's yeah. cool if I crime. Would you please look the other way while I crime? What do you think? Pretty much, it, it's it's literally that. It's either um, I'm immune, blank, point blank period, or I didn't know any better, so give me a pass. Um, which, you know, as we talked about, is a lot of the time a defense that people in high positions will have who maybe a week or a month before, these are the guys who you shouldn't question. They're the ones who knew everything. But Donald Trump really is in such an interesting position. One, he doesn't need to be dealing with any of these felonies in the first place, but he is nonetheless. But, you know, Biden is not in that good of a position in terms of his polling, but that can change. Now, the problem that Donald Trump really has is he has no defense for any of this. What are these judges really going to do? Even Trump appointed judges like, do you really want to let this man just pass with immunity? Oh, yeah, Donald Trump's immune. Well, Republicans have been losing since 2018. So it's it, it's pretty fair to say that eventually a Democrat's going to be president again. You know, it could be Biden in 2024. Do you want Biden to to move forward with that type of um, with that with that type of precedent, it, since precedents are being talked about, it, it's just, you know, for anybody who really wants Donald Trump to get back in office, he's making it really hard for that to happen mm -hmm. because of his what's going on in the courts. It's like, how, how can you win with this defense? You can't. And that's why he keeps losing. So if there was ever a man who was his own worst enemy, it's definitely Donald Trump. Perfect case study. And he deserves it. Um, you yeah. alluded to his second defense. So we have this, uh, I have presidential immunity for everything in any anything I do. Like, so everybody needs to understand the US, the DOJ has basically held that while you are president, you cannot be prosecuted for things that you do as part of your official duties. That is like, a thing that the DOJ said. I know that like Washington loves to treat it as like, oh no, that's carved in granite on Mount Olympus. Uh, but it's not. It's a legal theory that they have that could and inevitably will at some point be tested by the Supreme Court, possibly here. But even if it was carved in marble on Mount Olympus, how does calling up Raffensburger and Georgia and saying, get me exactly the votes I need to win? <laughs> 
how does that fit under this? These your official duty because he comes out and says my official duties is to investigate voter fraud. What part of investigating voter fraud is I need 723 votes? Go get him, buddy. That is like they are trying to stretch it so far, and it leads it leads us into because we don't know if the Supreme Court is going to adjudicate this. It leads even the prosecutors in this bizarre position where right now they're arguing that he was acting as a candidate. Not a president when he was doing these things, talking to Raffensperger, setting up the fake electors, encouraging his supporters to march on the Capitol. And at, look, it's my stance, and I assume many reasonable people in the audience would say, who the hell cares what he was acting as? Who cares what frame of mind he was in? Who cares what vibe he had at that point? He's doing things that are illegal, that resulted in horrible things happening. But this is what they have to do because they don't know when or if the Supreme Court is going to swoop in. As of right now, in this particular case, the Supreme Court left it to the Court of Appeals to determine presidential immunity in this particular case. And so the Supreme Court is choosing to weigh in in certain areas and not others. They're saying we are going to decide on this removing him from the ballot thing for Colorado at the very least, but we're not going to weigh in on the immunity. But that doesn't mean that they can't later on. We're going to be launching into all these different cases, particularly at the beginning of March. And at any point coming out of that, things could happen that could lead to appeals from the Trump team. And then you could possibly trigger a Supreme Court response. And the bad thing about that is the farther into this year we get, the less time we have before the GOP primary is concluded, before the, the Dem primary, to the extent that the Democratic Party will allow one to continue, will be concluded. We might even be done with the election at that point. And then we get to test out his little threats about locking up his political opponents under a theory of presidential immunity that in his mind evaporates the second he becomes president. It will no longer apply to Joe Biden. So anyway, I don't I don't know what you expect Jackson to happen timeline wise. Where do you see this going? I think that it's about as good as it's gonna get for Trump right now. I think it's going to get worse. Biden has a number of things that he needs to address, just like any president does, just like any incumbent would. But, you know, at the end of the day, Donald Trump's not going to get away with 91 felonies. He's going to get convicted. Polling shows that when he does get convicted, that's going to damage his polling numbers. Democrats have been outperforming in the polls for years now. And, you know, pretty much everything else that you look at doesn't really bode well for Donald Trump. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just don't see how, again, when it comes to the legal system, how do you let this dude really skate with this? He hasn't been, and he's not going to all of a sudden. He's going to keep losing in court. And so it's like the bigger danger would be for the next Donald Trump or, you know, the next yeah. guy or a person who would be more competent than him. Because even if Trump were to win in 2024, his spiraling demise can't be stopped at this point. Like he's such a chaotic disaster that he's been rejected by the world and that's not going to stop even if he were to win. So yeah. I, I wouldn't want to trade places with him. I, I know that. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, Look, it, Biden is is he's just he he's too close and he, he, his administration is really going to have to put in some work. Well, they're they're promising that they're going to campaign harder, and we'll be getting to Biden on the other side of the break. Um, I would also say you you talked to there about worrying about you know like a future Trump or something. I know it, Trump Trump does hold uh, this unique position where he can say things that other Republicans, even in the last few years, get in trouble for and stuff like that. But the thing is, like, there are lots of these MAGA people 
who have a variety of different personality characteristics and political values and everything that leads them to love Trump. Right now, we have these young white male conservatives who are spending every second of the day online and are getting really mad about everything. And they love like much more openly than MAGA people will talking about how Nazis are awesome and everything. Um, they're much more radicalized. Now, I don't know how many of them there are. I don't know that when they get to be 30, 40 and all that, if they can take over a whole political party. But they are going to at least be a part of that party and they are gonna be pushing for candidates. They're gonna make Donald Trump seem like a blushing bride in terms of his willingness to say and do utterly insane, violent things. So. You already see the dabbling of that with people like Ramaswamy, who are much more openly talking about conspiracy theories on the debate stage. Um, but stay tuned for that over the next few decades. Special counsel Jack Smith's team has apparently uncovered damning evidence of just how little Donald Trump was willing to or interested in doing to stop the violence on January 6th. And legal experts looking at this are saying that this could really hurt Trump at trial because for whatever reason, his state of mind, his intent is a very big part of how culpable he will be. And this gets to what his state of mind was. So a lot of this is coming from his former deputy chief of staff, Dan Scavino, who apparently told Smith's investigators that as the violence was beginning, Trump quote, was just not interested in doing anything to stop it. And interestingly, as the Capitol breach unfolded and people are rampaging through the Capitol, a small group of people gathered like Trump insiders gathered around Trump. Dan Scavino is one of them trying to persuade him to send a forceful, forceful message to the protesters. Instead, after about 20 minutes of urging, they left Trump alone and in the White House dining room. And that's when he sent the tweet saying that Mike Pence doesn't have, quote, the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country. That timeline is damning. We have cops being pulled to the ground, beaten. For 20 minutes, his aides are saying, you have to do something. And he's like, no, I don't want to do anything. And the second he's alone, he spurs the protesters on. The protesters who he in court is going to try to pretend are like Antifa provocateurs or whatever. Well, you're not acting like they're going against your wishes. We have more. Scavino then printed out several tweets to propose to Trump. Why they needed to be printed out, I have no idea. But anyways, like just send these things to save your bacon. Uh, and then around 2.38 PM local time, so I believe this is like 20, 30 minutes later, a tweet did appear on Trump's Twitter account that says, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country, stay peaceful. So after quite a while, they apparently sent out one of the Scavino ones. Trump apparently did not draft that tweet. And yes, it is laughable that the tweet hours into the riot says stay peaceful when people have already been brutally injured, but that's what he's got. We have a former Trump aide Nick Luna telling federal investigators that when Trump was informed that Mike Pence had been rushed to a secure location, Trump responded, so what? I mean, that is his number one ally, almost being caught by the rioters. And he tells someone who is talking to the special counsel's team, so what? He doesn't care about a lethal threat to his VP, that is gonna hurt. And just a little bit more. He's obviously watching all of this on TV and doing nothing. And when he's watching clips of the riot, he apparently said, this is what happens when they try to steal an election. 
And then uh, this guy Philbin says, Mr. President doesn't justify this. So he's, he's trying to protect himself. But yeah, again, so if state of mind matters, seeing violence, seeing windows being broken, seeing lawmakers rushed through the hallways, being told that your, your vice president uh, just narrowly escaped and he's being held at a secure location. And you say, well, this is what happens. I mean, if frame of mind matters, I don't know how you get better to his violent, hateful, fascistic, anti-democratic frame of mind than what these multiple sources from the day are telling that team. We have a little bit more, but I, but I want your thoughts, Jackson, on, on what has been revealed. Well, first, of course, he wasn't willing to stop it because you know this is who he is. Anything to advance his you know twenty four hour attention span and thought process in terms of how far he looks ahead. But one of Trump's huge problems that he has in terms of why his spiraling demise won't stop, and this is a good example of how karma is real, is he doesn't really have any more powerful friends in high places. He has MAGA, he has his cult base who wants him to win. But what can powerful people get from him that they can't get from anybody else extremely easily? You know, like, for instance, like the whatever deal he got with the South. We've been in bed with the Saudis for decades. <laughs> what, 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 what type of capitalist scheme or capitalist project can the world over not get from Joe Biden or anybody else that they can't get from Donald Trump? Donald Trump throws everybody under the bus that's already hurt him, and it's going to continue to hurt him. This dude, he's on true social attacking the Supreme Court justices. Yeah, I mean, th- this is what he does. This is who he is. He has many other problems. But again, one of his biggest issues is people who are at his level or higher, what use mm-hmm. is he to them? And this is one of the biggest reasons. You know what you're going to get with him. He's going to throw you under the bus. Yeah, there's definitely the 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 per, so there's huge risk as an individual. You never know when he's gonna no longer be interested in you. Throws you under the bus, as you say. And in terms of like him as the leader of a movement, well, he lost the 2020 election. He caused them to choose a bunch of Senate candidates that had seemingly no chance of winning. I mean, they did lose. So there's a big risk to that as well. I think on policy, I think that he will deliver much of what almost any of these Republicans will, from the point of view of the Republican like. The kingmakers, the actual money people behind the scenes, but it might be that they made the calculation that, you know, we we keep losing at the national level, the Republican Party. Like we won in two thousand four, and other than that, we just we can't put together a popular vote win. Maybe he's the only guy that can get it done, is because he inspires this insane rabid movement. Um, but even he hasn't been able to win the popular vote, so uh, it's tough times for them. Anyway, um, when this trial starts, we're gonna hear more uh, probably directly from these people, from Scavino and the others. And it is just gonna be just absolutely damning. Like really fast to end this before we move on and we're gonna lighten it up a little bit. Um, he had he had said to one of these aides, uh, here's, a, here's a Twitter message I'm thinking about sending, let me know what you think. Uh, these are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots, remember this day forever. She told him it makes him sound culpable for the violence as if he might be directing it because he's celebrating the violence. You can't send this because it's celebrating the violence. But many of you watching this are thinking, wait, that's very familiar. I know that tweet. Yeah. Because he did send it. She said, this makes you seem responsible. And he was like, whatever. And he sent it out. Now, about an hour later, his Twitter account was suspended. 
So that was awesome, but nothing else about this was. And that like, when he's being told by all of these aides, you are making it worse, you're making it seem as if you love this, and then he's doing it all anyway, again, like I don't know what legal defense you have to this, but perhaps we'll find out together. Anyway, I wanna lighten things up a little bit and get into, we're not gonna talk much about Trump and the election, but I do have one video I wanna play that I feel like should be used in campaign ads. Take a look at this. When there's a crash, I hope it's gonna be during this next 12 months, because I don't wanna be Herbert Hoover. The one president, I just don't wanna be Herbert Hoover. That's Donald Trump hoping that the economic crash happens in the next 12 months. Love to have right-wing populism. Oh, just, you know, people like Trump who understand the struggles of working Americans, those who have the least. He's not there for the wealthy. He's just hoping that the economy crashes in the next 12 months, which would be absolutely devastating. In 2008, when the economy crashed, people lost their homes, people lost their, their businesses. They were put out on the street. People's plans and financial lives, their futures that they had imagined vanished. And he's hoping that it happens in the next 12 months. He's saying it's gonna happen anyway. I don't, I don't want it to happen under me. I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. But he wants it to happen in the next 12 months. He'll be president for at least part of that. So he doesn't <laughs> seem to mind that the crash happens as long as it happens ideally before he becomes president. So he won't be blamed for it. If you are a not well off right winger, a poor conservative, he doesn't give a damn about what this would mean to you and your family. And I think that if the Biden team doesn't put that in ads between now and election day, then that is a massive dereliction of duty. Jackson, what do you think? Oh yeah, you know, I, I hope the economy crashes because that'd be really good for my prospects. I mean, because <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of the economic forecast was that the economy was supposed to to go down. Another problem that Trump has for his general election campaign. And keep in mind that hasn't begun yet. Another big, he doesn't have a general election campaign. <laughs> One of his biggest problems is he's already been president. What is what is he going to talk about? The, the, the economy was better. With, no, it wasn't. The economy's better now than it was when you were in office. And it always blows my mind. And I, I think I may have said this on the power panel. When Donald Trump was in office, the entire country shut down for a year and yeah. millions of people lost their jobs. Well, you, you know, and of course, Republicans didn't, you know, didn't blame the guy at the helm of the nation. But that's going to come back too. what are you going to talk about health care? What are you going to the only way you yeah. have a campaign is if the economy crashed. So, yeah. you know, it, it's just Republicans really should have went with somebody else, but they didn't. Even if he wins, they should have went with somebody else. Yeah, well, look, the courts might save them. We'll see, Maybe. but yeah, just devastating. And like, to, so I, I hate, I, I hate getting into the economic like indicators or whatever because there are like the high level indicators that are better than expected. Two hundred sixteen thousand jobs in December of twenty twenty three, unemployment rate at three point seven percent, which is exceeds what economists were saying was going to happen. Inflation rate dropped from nine point one percent in June of twenty twenty two to three point one percent November. Because you say all these numbers, and like theoretically, that's the sort of stuff that is moving in Biden's direction, so that'll help him for re-election and hurt the case of the Republicans. But you look at that, and you know 
But that seems to have less of an influence or less of a connection, a relationship to the experience that, that people have with the economy yeah. than it has in past decades. So like we have to acknowledge those numbers because they're true, but we can't just worship those numbers because people are still hurting and being left behind. So and so which of those two, I think I would argue realities are gonna drive the election. The raw numbers that are true, but don't seem to matter as much as they did, or what people think numbers be damned. Um, or at least the numbers we focus on be damned. So we're gonna have to see. I don't know. You, you've given me some some cause perhaps for optimism. Well, um, we'll check I, in throughout here. Last, last quick, point goes to you. It'll it'll be a bit of both, but my point is that the Republicans would have a better case to make. They would have a case to make with somebody fresh because the more that it the closer it gets to election and people are actually talking, the more it's going to be like, well, you were already in there. And again, that doesn't mean that Trump can't yeah. still win. But just like from a pure political perspective, it's like, well, if you would have had somebody who wasn't president, they could be like, well, we're going to do even better. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And they're, they're going to have to spend this year trying to remind people of what that was like because he is not the outsider anymore. He yeah. was president. Anyway, um, okay, with that said, we're going to take our first break. We come back. Lots more to get to. Don't go anywhere. On June 17, 2015, the beautiful souls, five survivors and five survivors invited a stranger into this church to pray with them. The word of God was pierced by bullets and hate, and rage, propelled by not just gunpowder, but by a poison. Poison that has for too long haunted this nation. What is that poison? White supremacy. Oh, it is. It's a poison. Throughout our history, it's ripped this nation apart. It says no place in America. Not today, tomorrow, or ever. So as part of his more aggressive stance in his campaign, you saw there President Joe Biden speaking at Mother Emanuel Church, the site where nine black prisoners were shot to death not too many years ago. He talked about that event, he linked it to some of the incredibly toxic, violent movements that we see in American politics these days. And he centered it as one of the issues that he thinks this election should be decided on about the rise of, of hate, politically motivated violence and those sorts of things in this election. At the same time, he also targeted not just Donald Trump, sort of the leader of that movement from Biden's point of view, but also talked a little bit about the Civil War in a fairly clear swipe against Nikki Haley. After the Civil War, the defeated Confederates couldn't accept the verdict of the war, they had lost. So they say they embraced what's known as the lost cause. A self-serving lie that the Civil War is not about slavery, but about states' rights. They've called that the noble cause. That was a lie, a lie that had, not just a lie, but it had terrible consequences. It brought on Jim Crow. So let me be clear for those who don't seem to know. Slavery was the cause of the Civil War. There's no negotiation about that. 
That's an indisputable fact and also indisputably a hit at Nikki Haley, who recently has had a lot of trouble defining exactly what it is that causes civil war until she's under pressure. Not just in this campaign, but going back as far as nearly a decade ago. She did respond to that slight by the president saying, I don't need someone who palled around with segregationists in the 70s and has said racist comments all the way through his career lecturing me or anyone in South Carolina about what it means to have racism, slavery, or anything related to the Civil War. Which I would just say grammatically, if we could put that back up, makes it seem as if she thinks racism and slavery are kind of a separate thing from things related to the Civil War. I get that she's now landed on, okay, I admit they're related, but I would be more careful in the way I word it. That said, we have this situation now where Nikki Haley's defense is, you pointing out that I seem to be pandering to racists now isn't fair because you've pandered to racists your whole career, which arguably is true and we can get into the evidence. But that doesn't absolve her, that just makes both of them look bad. But anyway, Jackson, we've got those two clips from Joe Biden. He is more aggressively coming at his GOP rivals and focusing on violence and racism and their place in American political history. What do you think about all this? I think that um, as the months pile up, we're gonna see both the Biden administration and just the entire Democratic Party really turn up uh, against Trump and the idea of Trump returning to the White House. This go around, it really wouldn't be a benefit for Trump to win in terms of like fundraising. It really, uh, Democrats need to win this um, in order for their brand to remain strong. And also, too, just to keep the momentum going forward. Uh, Democrats have been winning uh, down ballot elections since 2018. And that's likely going to continue, especially given the reversal of Roe v. Wade, how that continues to drive people out to the polls, et cetera. Um, but I think if Biden, you know, wakes up and tries just a little bit, he'll win. For one, incumbents typically win re-election because they have all the resources and they have all the momentum behind them already. And people are going to look for the end of their full term to really get their skin in the game because of just probability and things like that. You know, perhaps Biden can do more with, uh, you know, uh, marijuana cannabis legislation executive actions along those lines, obviously do more to push for like ceasefire, things like that. But that's very doable. And I think Mm -hmm. that the Biden administration knows what it needs to do. They're just going to need to step up and get that done. Trump, on the other hand, he's just going to keep spiraling in court. And so it's really just a race to the bottom like it usually is. But um, I think if Biden tries, he'll win. Yeah, so I want to stop and acknowledge two different things. So one, I like that you're giving him specific, and I agree, I think very actionable things that he could push for, at least hypothetically actionable. I don't know if philosophically it's possible for him to more aggressively push for a ceasefire. I don't know that he has it in him, but he totally could do that. It would not be difficult to put out, to do a do a speech on that. Put together a speech tomorrow about that. But then also, I also, I just want people to put a pin in this right now. Because I believe that Jackson, you might have a more optimistic view of Biden's chances than I think anyone else that I talked to on the network. And so people don't get credit for being right enough. They also don't get discredit for being wrong enough in this field. If Biden does win, particularly if it's not close, I want people to message Jackson because he deserves credit for that. Because, and by the way, 
like empty optimism to just say, no, he'll be fine. That would be pointless, but that's not what Jackson is doing. He's talking about the economy and how things can change. He's talking about the incumbency advantage. And so anyway, I want people to be ready to dole out a little bit of credit if and when the time comes. Just in case. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Uh, I mean, it's a day by day thing. And you know, like, I mean, look look what happened to Bernie in 2020. mm -hmm. I I mean, that that's politics. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's not one that we were happy about, but um, it's politics. So, you know, mm-hmm. I just we just got to take it a day at a time and at least at least wait to see what happens with it when when he's convicted in court. Then sure. we'll have just a, Which could happen. a better yeah. idea. You know what I'm saying? So. That's why time and again, they lost in every court of law that challenged results. Sixty losses in courts of America. There's one thing they don't have. They don't have respect for the 81 million people who voted the other way. Voted for my candidacy. And voted to end the presidency. In their world, these Americans, including you, don't count. But that's not the real world. That's not democracy. That's not America. In America, we all count. In America, we witness to serve all those who, in fact, participate. And losers are taught to concede when they lose. And he's a loser. Really demonstrating the disparity between the expectations for Biden and for Trump, that Biden says Trump is a loser, and the crowd's like, oh, oh my God. What did he just <laughs> say? But yeah, it does actually stand out for Joe Biden to be talking that way. I mean, it's literally true. The word loser has no meaning if it cannot be applied to Donald Trump. But I don't just mean that he literally lost the 2020 election. I mean, all of the different life. Uh, definitions of it. He is fundamentally a loser down to his bones, which I have to assume are in horrible condition right now. But he's being hit not just by Joe Biden, but also in ads. I want to show you a little bit of this. This isn't hyperbole. A vote for Donald Trump uh, may mean the last election that you ever get to vote in. This is an exaggeration. He's a threat to democracy. This is Donald J. Trump. He was the 45th president of the United States. He caused an insurrection at the Capitol. And sorry to ruin your Christmas, but he's running again. This guy is openly running as a wannabe dictator. Trump said he would terminate the Constitution so he could be president again. Do you know who also did that? Mussolini, Chavez, Pinochet, all of them shelved their constitutions to centralize power. Trump is planning to purge tens of thousands of civil servants and replace them with loyalists. Authoritarian Viktor Orban used the same tactic to dismantle Hungary's democracy. Donald Trump's chances of winning are very real. The alarm is going off. Everyone needs to wake up. We have a choice between protecting our democracy or letting Trump destroy it. It's time to get off the sidelines. We can't let Donald Trump get close to the Oval Office again. So look, that's obviously very aggressive and we're used to ads like that running during elections. If you've been paying attention for a few cycles, there's always stuff like that. But I would say that while they're always kind of hyperbolic and over the top, I mean, Trump does throw around the term dictator a lot in kind of a positive sense. He's the guy that posted this word cloud of what people think about when they think of him. He saw the word revenge, dictatorship, dictator, and he thought, oh, cool, let me post that. He's the one saying he will be a dictator for a day. So if anyone is making these ads seem justified, 
Yeah, I think it's going to be him. But Jackson, what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, at this point, anything that gets lobbed out against Trump is either something that's verifiable because it actually happened or something that he said himself. And, and like his whole campaign is just going to because he's still saying that he won in 2020. He kind of got away from that for like five minutes. But then, of course, he's back on <laughs> his whole campaign is just I won in 2020. And oh, look, I. I you know, I'm totally innocent of everything I've ever been accused of in my entire life. So, you know, he brought it upon himself. Boo hoo, you know, poor yeah. Trump. Poor Trump. Um, <laughs> hopefully, we'll be able to say that together in right, mid November of this year. Right. Um, anyway, I want to very quickly go to the C block. Um, we're just going to talk for a couple minutes about it because I would feel really bad if we did not get to this story. So let's jump uh, whenever ready into this. Trump stooge Roger Stone apparently discussed and plotted the potential assassination of prominent Democrats in the weeks leading up to the 2020 election. This, by the way, is new reporting on top of last week's revelation that he had also discussed kidnapping and punishing people involved in the Mueller investigation and other Democrats. Now it has gotten all the way to the point of him talking about assassinating Jerry Nadler and Eric Swalwell. This conversation apparently happened in a restaurant in Florida in the weeks leading to the 2020 election. And he told then NYPD officer Sal Greco, it's time to do it. Let's go find Swalwell, it's time to do it. Then we'll see how brave the rest of them are. It's time to do it. It's either Nadler or Swalwell has to die before the election. They need to get the message. Let's go find Swalwell and get this over with. I'm just not putting up with this blank anymore. By the way, he had previously talked about wanting to punish Aaron Zelinsky, a prosecutor working under Robert Mueller at that time, saying you have to abduct him and punish him. That has to be done. It will be easy to abduct him because he is a weakling. So look, Roger Stone has a very long enemies list, obviously. And talking with someone like Sal Greco, a guy who's a cop, he's got weapons and everything. This is about as serious as it gets because he seemed really set on on hurting some Democrats, killing some Democrats. Now, previously when the we should kidnap Zelensky thing came out, he said the audio was faked. They literally have audio of him saying it. When he previously before the election saying, let's get right to the violence, he's on camera saying it. He says the video was faked. Now in response to this reporting, he says, if there is such an audio, why don't they post it? Why won't they send it to me? If there is such an audio, it would have to be legally obtained. And if there is such an audio, it would have to be an AI generated fraud since I never said any of the words attributed to me. That is a that is a, an airtight defense. Where's the tape? And if you have the tape, it's made up. Also, <laughs> it was illegally obtained. But how is it illegally obtained if it's AI generated? They didn't steal it from you, they made it up. You don't even know what your defense is in this case. I don't know for sure that he said it because this is the one thing out of those three that we don't yet have. We can't literally hear him say it yet, but it's totally in line with what he said before. And the fact that his defense is identical. Worst case scenario, it creates a sort of like the boy who cried wolf thing, the boy who cried AI. But this is a guy, Roger Stone, with all that what he was saying and talking about, how is he still walking free at this point? And I know a pardon from Trump, but still something needs to be done. What do you think, Jackson? Um, I think that first and foremost, it's hilarious how Roger Stone says this like he has so much experience, you know, kidnapping and abducting people. Like, oh, it'll be easy because he's a weakling. <laughs> 
he has so much experience with it. But, um, you know, I, I, I think we talked about this on Friday and, you know, the whole AI thing, you know, that makes a, a, a good defense for pretty much anybody, no matter what you do at this point now. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, get caught up saying something. Oh, it wasn't me. It was AI, which, you know, it's pretty I, I, I still think it's kind of easy to get around that, like, especially if it's like, well, did it come from my account? If it didn't, then <laughs> clearly it wasn't me. But, um, you know, this is increasingly becoming what we're seeing from the right wing because their policies and their ideas are not popular and people don't want them. You know, Mm -hmm. women aren't going to wake up and just be okay with the fact that their abortion rights are being uh, taken away. They're not going to wake up and be okay with a minority in this country wanting them to go back in the kitchen, nor is the LGBTQ community going to wake up and be okay. But no one's going to be okay with these things. And so we have to force them into because how else are you going to win? So it's yeah. just a reflection of uh, the culture of uh, conservatism in this country. Hundred percent, yeah. It's it, and it betrays this utter weakness, for, like coupled with the bravado of it'll it'll be easy because he's a weakling. Yeah, mm-hmm. like R- Roger Stone wants to pretend that he's a tough guy. Oh, he's going around, he's kidnapping people all the time. He's just <laughs> a little man dressed in weird clothes. Hoping that, man, if people just start shooting all of my enemies, I can finally feel awesome and supreme. Like believing that the that, like that the only way that your side can win is if you start if you start gunning down the other side is not the alpha male move that you think. It's utterly pathetic. Just convince people. Just lead by example. You have no faith in your side to be able to do literally any of that. He definitely belongs behind bars. Thankfully. What we have going for us is that he is insane and so arrogant that he can't help but doom himself. There's a good chance he ends up there again. Anyway, with that said, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with more. Governor DeSantis is hitting you for claiming the retirement age is, quote, way, way too low. He said, quote, I don't know why she's saying that. So are you saying that? Where do I you have stand never once said that. I never once said that. A strong denial by candidate Nikki Haley to the idea that she said that the retirement age is too low. But unfortunately for her, it appears that she did in fact say that. Let's see. Let's see this. Well, wait, 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 wait. In Bloomberg interview, you said um, anyone who says they'll leave America bankrupt, Social Security will go bankrupt, Medicare will. So we don't touch anyone's retirement. But go to people like my kids in their 20s and tell them the rules haven't changed. Change the retirement age to reflect life expectancy. Yes, for those in their 20s. But I have never said retirement age is way too low for everyone else. I mean, he's totally misrepresenting the facts. That's what he's done. Ron continues to lie because he's losing. But the reality is, that is what I have always said, is America should keep her promises every time. But rather than saying you're not going to touch it, like Ron says, we have to touch it. But we have to also be honest and over communicate with those in their 20s that this is what we're going to do. But if we do this, we'll make sure you have something to go forward with. And it's also letting seniors and those in their 40s and 50s know, don't worry, we're not looking to touch yours. We're looking to actually save it so that you have something when your time comes. Yeah, so she got caught out and she got caught out because she has been trained as all politicians are that you could just lie and they generally are not gonna have your actual quote ready to go. In this case, Brett Baer did his job. 
And then she had to fumble and say, yeah, no, I, I never said that for everybody. That's not the denial that you just made. And you are saying for millions upon millions of Americans, it is too low and it will be raised. If she gets to be in charge, you are going to work to slave away for years longer for the benefits that you will at that point have paid into for decades and decades. That's what she's saying. And we want to play the full clip because it's obviously very consequential. Here is what she actually said. The third rail that nobody wants to touch is the entitlement, Social Security, Medicare. How would you manage the entitlements to try to start getting our arms around soaring debt? Well, you know, you've got multiple candidates on that stage that said they wouldn't touch entitlements, including Trump. And any candidate that says they're not going to touch entitlements means that they're basically going to go into the go into office and then leave America bankrupt. Social Security is going to mm -hmm. go bankrupt in 10 years. Medicare is going to go bankrupt in eight. So the way we deal with it is we don't touch anyone's retirement or anyone who's been promised in. But we go to people like my kids in their 20s when they're coming into the system and we say the rules have changed. We change retirement age to reflect life expectancy. Instead of cost of living increases, we do it based on inflation. We limit the benefits the on the wealthy and we expand Medicare Advantage plans. What's the right age there then, Ambassador? Well, I think we have to do the numbers. We've got to figure out what it is. But what we do know is 65 is way too low and we need to increase that. We need to do it according to life expectancy. We need to do the numbers, but I'm not going to do the numbers right now because if I say it's going to look really bad. But for some people who I am sure are not watching right now, we're going to make you work for years longer. For those of you who are older and are watching and definitely will be voting, particularly in a primary, um, no, you're saved. But if you're young, you're screwed. You know how much you love your job. You know how much you love going to work. Well, I'm going to let you do it for two, three, four, five more years or whatever. And why not? We have to have it adapt for life expectancy, which I will remind you is going down. We've reported on that already. People are living over the last few years less than they used to. And she wants to make you go longer before you can finally retire. And the whole thing about this and why I care about this so much is, she presents herself and all of them do because Trump has previously talked about making changes to social security. Ron DeSantis has also said we need to change the age. They all do and they all say just the young people because they think that you are too stupid to prioritize it when choosing a candidate. Um, they all say that because they say we're the responsible ones. We need to do this, otherwise social security won't be solvent. They're being irresponsible by saying that we don't have to raise the age and they're pretending that that is the only thing that you can do. You either keep the age the same or you raise it. As if you couldn't, for instance, raise the cap on the money that goes from your income into Social Security. Right now, you pay a certain percentage on every check that goes to fund Social Security. Everybody does on income up to $250,000 a year. And then beyond that, you don't have to pay anymore. Why? Because people who make more than $250,000 a year don't want to, and they own people like Nikki Haley. In December of 2022, the CBO did an analysis. And if you just remove that cap, don't make any other change, it funds Social Security until almost 2050. And yet she's not even talking about that possibility because she doesn't want to. She doesn't want you to know that there are, there are alternatives. She wants you to believe that the only way you're gonna retire at all is if you have to grind it out for years longer. Meanwhile, she is protecting her wealthy donors and all the people that she goes to fancy dinner parties with who don't want to have to pay more into Social Security to pay what they should pay to make sure that everybody has the retirement that they deserve. Jackson, I'm going to give the final couple of minutes to you. Well, 
you know, there's just no effective way to sell these kinds of policies, because even if you say this is just for the younger people so that they can plan 20, 30 years ahead, it's not just for the younger people. It's for people who are maybe five to 10 years underneath that bracket. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're not 65, that this more, uh, most heavily impacts people who may be 55, 60 years old who are getting there, you know, and especially, too, for a lot of people who work in, uh, you know, more labor centric jobs. This is really going to put a lot of pain on people if they're not getting paid more. If you're not talking about paying people extra money to work longer, then what difference does it make? Um, But also, as we know, this is why Republican, uh, the Republican establishment is so heavy on culture wars, because if they're not, then they have to sell ideas like this. We're going to take away, uh, you know, Medicare in some type of way. Benefits programs are always bad. You really can't sell that to people. Um, so, uh, but, but honestly, I'd say that uh, Nikki, that's about as good as it gets in terms of, you know, handling those questions, uh, because I mean, what are you really going to say, uh, to sell people on the idea that they shouldn't be able to relax? hundred percent. Yeah. And you're totally right about the, the entire purpose of all of the culture war stuff. The entire reason that there is a Fox News, that there are independent right wingers. The only reason that people like Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles, John Kirk, all of them are funded by the wealthy is to protect that wealth. Because they want you to be thinking about the fact that, did you hear that there's a trans junior high swimmer in Wisconsin and not realize that they're getting into office to make sure that this change doesn't happen, that they don't raise the cap, that instead you have to work longer. They're getting into office to cut corporate taxes while telling you that whether a second grader might be by or not is the most important thing you should focus all of your attention on. They are obviously distractions that some people in media are being paid very handsomely to focus you on while you're being robbed behind your back. Anyway, we are over. I apologize. It's all the time we have in the first hour, but there's a lot more to come in the aftermath, including Lauren Boebert. Did she or did she not sock her ex-husband in the face? We'll weigh the evidence after this. 